Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about prescription medications, the cost of them specifically, and what can be done about it, if anything. Joining me today is Antonio Chacha. He's the president of Three Access Advisors. Welcome to the show, Antonio. Great to be with you today. First of all, we've been hearing this last year, the big problems with the supply chain. So how do prescription drugs get to our pharmacies? What does that supply chain look like? So it's far more complicated than I'm going to lay out, but I'll give you the main pillars of the prescription drug supply chain. A drug maker makes a drug. A drug maker then sells to a drug wholesaler like a McKesson, Cardinal Health, or Amerisort Bergen. And then the wholesaler sells it to the local pharmacy. So essentially three main steps with which the actual physical drug makes it from point A to B to C. And every time this gets passed along, the price raises for the customer. So the manufacturer is going to sell it to at a specific price to the wholesaler, and the wholesaler goes, well, I still got to make a buck, so I'm going to raise that price, and I'm going to send it on to the pharmacist. And then the pharmacist goes, well, I got to make a buck too and cover my cost, so I'm going to raise it even further. Are there any controls in place to cap how much somebody can be charged? Everything you just said there is exactly how it goes for anybody that is paying out of their own wallet at the pharmacy counter. So the drug maker charges whatever it wants. They sell to a wholesaler. They charge however much they want. And the pharmacy charges however much they want. Unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, about 95% of prescriptions don't end up coming exactly out of that supply chain. What happens after that is, is that most patients are paying via their insurance company or their pharmacy benefit manager or PBM. And those entities act in an entirely different way and work to negotiate on behalf of the patient to ultimately try to get a bigger discount when that drug actually hits the pharmacy counter. Okay, well, I'm sorry. You called them pharmacy benefit managers, which is basically an insurance company, in effect, PBMs. They're not doing a great job, especially for my mother. She's on Medicare and is on five or six different drugs, and just one of them out of pocket after she has to pay her little fee. But then the insurance only covers a certain amount of that drug, and she has to pay out of pocket every 30 days $250 just for one drug. She has to buy four or five more. So 
These PBMs aren't doing a great job. I'm just telling you right now. Unfortunately, the system was supposed to work a lot better. The PBM was supposed to act as a necessary friction against that other end of the drug supply chain that you and I just talked about, that drug maker, the wholesaler, the pharmacy. A side who left to its own devices would charge as much as the market would allow them to get away with. The PBM was supposed to get your uh, family members and our family members and everybody else that ultimately they represent and use that to, as negotiating leverage to get bigger discounts when buying the medications from the drug makers and the pharmacies. The problem is, is the PBMs are really good at negotiating those discounts, but they're even better at keeping those discounts for themselves and oftentimes making the patient pay the full list price when they themselves have negotiated some a far different and better price for themselves. I'm sorry, who is watching these PBMs? Because they're not watching well, then, if that's the case. Well, the eyeballs have gotten a little bit wider on the PBMs over the last few years. Look, I've been around pharmacy my entire life. I couldn't spell PBM 10 years ago, and most other people couldn't as well. PBMs used to be just a very simple claims processor. Think of them as the Visa or MasterCard for the drug. But over time, those really small and efficient transaction companies became Fortune 15 companies. So we're talking about OptumRx, which is part of United Healthcare, CVS Caremark, you know them as CVS Health, and then Express Scripts, which is part of Cigna. Those three companies are Fortune 15 companies. They are larger than the pharmacy companies and the drug manufacturer companies that they were hired to control in the first place. And what they've done is they've made prescription drug pricing a lot more complicated, a lot more complex. And in sometimes, very often, uh, we find that they are inflating the cost of medications unnecessarily. And regulators and plan sponsors like large employers are now just catching up to the fact that these companies that once sold themselves as somebody making drug transactions more efficient might actually be making them a lot more expensive. Are they the ones that were responsible for insulin going up to like 2,000, 3,000% a few years ago? PBMs are partially responsible for that problem. All right, so let's look, let's unpack a vial of insulin. So let's look at Lantus. Lantus is a very popular insulin product. The list price of Lantus is $284 per vial. Well, there are folks that get to analyze data that shows how big the discounts are that the drug maker passes back to the PBM. So Sanofi actually makes Lantus, and the list price at the time, this was about a couple months ago, was $284. If you tabulate all the rebates and discounts that Sanofi passes back to the PBMs and government programs in exchange for covering those drugs in the first place, Sanofi only makes 13% of that list price. So they're bringing in around $40 on something that has a list price of 284. PBMs are a big part of the problem in that Sanofi can't get the medication into the patient unless the PBM says they're gonna cover it. And it only in exchange for covering it, Sanofi has to cough up big rebates or things that we like to call kickbacks in order for the PBM to cover it in the first place. So Sanofi and other insulin makers are raising the prices higher and higher as a means to create bigger rebates and kickbacks to give to the PPM in exchange for coverage. Now, back to the patient. The patient oftentimes in a high deductible health plan 
or if they are in a deductible phase in their Medicare Part D program, they are stuck paying the full list price of that medication. Yeah. A few years ago, some of those bottles weren't just $284. They were $2,000 for a bottle. Different products obviously have high, uh, have different, uh, different list prices versus others. But the key there is, is that every single, almost every single brand product has a list price and then the real price. And the real price is what the PBMs are getting after all the discounts are tabulated. The problem that we have as consumers and the problem that I have with the industry as a structure today is the PBM is using all of us as individuals to negotiate big discounts that they're getting on the back end of the transaction, but they're not passing them back through to us as the pay, as the patient. My blood is a little boiling at the moment, so we need to take a break <laughs> so I don't start swearing. Um, <laughs> when we come back, I want to go into what can we do to get rid of these PBMs or hold them accountable. So we'll be right back with Antonio Chacha. He's the president of Free Access Advisors. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about the cost of prescription medications. Joining me today is Antonio Chacha. He is the president of Three Access Advisors. All right, Antonio, you kind of got my blood pressure going there in that first segment. We talked about why drug prices are just going up and up, and it sounds like these pharmacy benefit managers are supposedly negotiating prices that will be better for the consumer, for you and me, when I have to go buy my drugs, they are negotiating that with, are they actually negotiating with wholesalers or with the actual manufacturers, first of all? They are negotiating with two main entities. They are negotiating with the drug makers in exchange for covering the drugs in the first place. But then they negotiate in an entirely separate transaction with the end reimbursement to the pharmacy. So they, they ultimately say, pharmacy, you could charge us whatever you want, but we're going to pay you whatever that we want to pay you. Basically, they're telling these pharmacy benefit managers are telling the manufacturers, hey, look, no problem. We will cover any drugs that you have to sell to the people. That's number one. But then the pharmacy gets that drug and they tell the pharmacy, hey, if you want to charge $100, great, but we're only going to pay you 50 or 75 So Is that basically, is that what exactly I'm hearing? Exactly right. So the pharmacy is only getting $50 for something they want to sell $100 for. So that's why the consumer has to pay the additional 50 or So here, so How's... let's let's iron it out this way. Okay. So let's say the drug maker wants to charge $100 for their product. Okay. okay. And the PBM then says, uh, we're not going to cover that. Uh, you know, we're going to need you to give us a big discount. So the PBM negotiates with the drug maker to get, let's say, a $60 rebate on that drug. Now, bear in mind that the PBM is getting that in exchange 
for covering that drug on behalf of the drug maker in the first place. So you, the patient, now can get coverage now that that transaction has occurred. Okay. The drug maker is still selling that drug for $100. So they sell that $100 drug to the wholesaler. The wholesaler might take that little markup. Let's say that's now $110 at that point. The pharmacy then acquires that drug for $110. Now, the pharmacy is going to want to make their own, want to make money as well. And so they're going to have lap have their own sticker price that they layer on top of that. Now, let's say for the sake of this discussion, they now turn it into a $120 drug. The PBM comes back and they say, look, yeah, we know that we just negotiated this big rebate with the drug maker in order to cover it. But pharmacy, if you want us to pay you for that drug, you're going to have to give us another discount. So we're going to want, let's say, let's say they negotiate that down to $90. The pharmacy bought that drug for 110 your local pharmacy is really upset because the PBM is only willing to pay pay them ninety dollars for it. That doesn't happen on all the claims, but just you know, hypothetically speaking. Right. So again, the PBM has negotiated two sets of discounts, right? One where they've gotten the rebate from the drug maker, one where they've gotten the deal from the pharmacy. They can still turn around to that patient and say, "Well, you're in the you're in the deductible phase of your plan. You have to pay the pharmacy's sticker price. You have to pay the hundred and twenty dollars, even though we as the PBM." have negotiated big discounts from both ends of the transaction that we do not have to pass back on to you. Yeah, um, that's getting paid at both ends, which I thought was illegal. Not Well, why get paid once when you can get paid twice? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wish I could make that deal. So why has it taken so long? Because earlier in the first segment, you said some eyes are being widened to this. But why has it taken so long for that to happen? A tremendous lack of transparency and accountability in this space. It, you know, Heather, if you walked into a grocery store and the local grocery store was charging you $20 for a gallon of milk, you would know right away you're getting ripped off. And you as a consumer have the power to go to the next grocery store. And that ability for you to walk with your wallet or your purse is what ultimately holds quality and price accountable within your grocery store. Nobody knows what the prices of the thousands of, of different medications are or what they should be. And because they're changing all the time, there's a lot of opportunity to engage in arbitrage, which is taking advantage of an asymmetry of information between those that are seeking to buy a product and those, those who are actually flowing the dollars through. So the PBM has taken advantage of our general lack of sophistication around drug pricing and coupled that with a tremendous lack of transparency in what the prices actually are. The reason that, the, that this is starting to change is that in my home state of Ohio, this is how we got our start, pharmacies in Ohio were complaining that they were getting significantly underpaid in our Medicaid program. I went back to state officials and asked them, why are pharmacies seeing these steep cuts? They looked at me like I was crazy because they said, we've never been paying more for prescription drugs than we are today. So I was not very smart at the time, but I was not, I was smart enough to understand how could you cut the pharmacy payments, but then the person cutting the checks for the drugs, not seeing a discount. Well, that prompted an investigation by the Columbus Dispatch and our state auditor eventually opened the books of our Medicaid program and found that PBMs were paying pharmacies very low, but reporting an entirely different inflated price back to the state and pocketing the difference. By the time our auditor tabulated all the spread that was in the middle, it was $244 million in just one year of our Medicaid program. Wow. And how, how long ago was this? 
That audit occurred in 2018. So they actually sued over some of those practices and just got a settlement last year with just one of the companies that were engaged in those PBM spread pricing tactics. The state fired those PBMs in 2019, and they're just now re-architecting the Medicaid program as we speak. Now, other states have seen this and have said, whoa, this is that's a lot of money. And so more and more states have gone through the audit process, and more and more state attorney generals are now investigating and litigating over these types of practices. So it's a very small, it was, it started as a very uh, slow roll of the ball of accountability, but now it's really starting to pick up steam. And these entities who, again, were entrusted with hundreds of millions of dollars in these state Medicaid programs and more money within the commercial marketplace. Now people are starting to say, wait, we can't take it for granted that these Fortune 15 companies are really here working in our interest. Isn't it also difficult because, as you stated, there's the top three that CVS, Cigna, I can't remember the third, that are in this top 15 tier, but don't they control 80% of all the pharmacy goods that are coming into the market? They account for about 80% of all prescription drug transactions under their logos. The crazy thing about this marketplace is that there are other PBM competitors that are in the marketplace, but many of them contract or subcontract or white label services from those big three, which makes competition even look even, even more distorted and concentrated than it looks like on paper. So we're looking at a marketplace that is very close to being categorized as an oligopoly. When you couple that with the fact that we as consumers, we need those medications or we die, and you add that to the fact that there's a tremendous lack of transparency in this marketplace, it is ripe for exploitative practices. Now, be clear, PBMs are not the only villain in the drug supply chain, but they are the only ones whose existence is predicated on trying to save us all money. And time and time again, we see that they are not doing that or that they are capturing the benefits of that leverage and retaining it for their own interests. That's the end of part one of This Is Why Your Drugs Cost So Much Money. Thank you to my guest, Antonio Chacha. He's the president of 3Access Advisors. He can be reached at 3accessadvisors.com. That's the number 3access, A-X-I-S, advisors.com. Next week, we'll go into what happens next. Is there a way to get rid of PBMs? Do we have to start all over? Or can they be reformed? Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another 
pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.